get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. To be joined by Jeff Bannister, the former Rangers manager, 2015 AL Manager of the Year. He joins us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jeff, we appreciate the time today, man. How you doing? I'm doing awesome, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you. So one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out is because uh, you had the benefit of working with Mike Maddox as your pitching coach down in Texas. And uh, Cardinals fans have been able to watch the way that he's worked with this pitching staff over the last few years. Uh, what was your experience like with Mike Maddox? What is he like as a pitching coach? First of all, I, I will tell you this. One of the best uh, pitching coaches in all of baseball, in my opinion. Uh, you know, obviously, first-year manager, uh, having uh, Mike as a pitching coach, I, I couldn't have been more pleased and happy. I mean, he's he's one of the guys, you know, when we, when we think about what we were able to do down the stretch, uh, just his his overall knowledge, experience, and, and how he handled those pitchers and information that he gave me and helped educate me uh, as a manager – uh, was paramount. Uh, listen, he has, he's a guy that is very in tune with, with every one of his pitchers, uh, what their needs are. Uh, he has the ability to, to communicate with them in, you know, ways that, uh, well, he understands where they're at. He has that experience, right? He's, he's been a pitcher, but he's been a long-term pitching coach and, um, just the ability to, to get these guys in a place to go out and perform. And then, uh, help help a manager make decisions along the way. That was the thing that I leaned on him the most was just, you know, as a guy in this in that role for the first time at the major league level, just uh, his overall experience. Uh, there were times that that I had to lean on him uh, a lot just in, in those in that decision making process. Jeff, what about his impact with the bullpen? And I know you were talking about pitching as a whole from the pitching manager's perspective, but we've seen him a lot this season where the pitchers get into a little bit of a jam with with runners on base or with a lot of walks. He comes out, he does his uh, patented double claw on the shoulders with with his pitchers, and it, it seems that they calm down and they find a way to get through the innings. How how important is it to have somebody who can do that? Well, it's 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 paramount, right? It's vital. Listen, the, the, you know, I asked him one time about, you know, the the uh, the hand on the shoulder, right? <laughs> and you know, one of the things he told me he says, he says, "Look, Manny, I can I can tell where their heart rate is at. You know, wow. what what do they need at that time?" And I'm like, I, I never thought of that, right? It's it's just that little simple move. But also, I think it's just it's the human touch, right? It's the ability to reach out and say, "Okay, you know what, guys, I'm here with you. Let's talk about this." Let's figure out what you need. This is what I'm seeing from the side. This is, this is what I have confidence in you 
having the ability to do. It's the, the ability to refocus, right? And that's the thing is a lot of these guys that get in these situations, that anxiety goes up, the heart rate goes up, and you need somebody to come out and either calm you down <laughs> or or you might need somebody to come out there and, and, and kind of redirect some real focus and, and, and some determination. But that's – I think what Mike has most of all is – Listen, he dives so deeply into his players and his pitchers that he understands who they are and what is necessary for that moment. He is, is, is so much in tune with who they are as a person and a competitor. And then, he, you know, he pays attention. He can, he can dissect a, a group of hitters as good as anybody. I will argue that, you know, they, they gave the, when the league gave Mike analytic information – Information that he already had, but it was at his disposal. It, he probably can't, became more dangerous to having that type of information along with the instincts and aptitude and the experience that he's had as a pitching coach and a pitcher to go attack uh, other hitters. Jeff, if I'm not mistaken, from, from what I understand, you, you got really into the analytics or you, you learned a lot about the analytics, analytics early in the 2010s. Uh, what was... What was it about the numbers that appealed to you? And then how did you, in, in Maddox in 2015, how, how did you guys disseminate that information to the players? Because I feel like for me, at least from the outside looking in, that would be the hard part is making sure that you don't overload the players with all of this information that you're getting from the front office. Right, right. Well, that's got to remember, this is, again, and not to take anything away from, from the intelligence of any single one human being, Right. I'll go back to, and it wasn't just a 2010. The Pirates were on the cutting edge back in the early 2000s. And then I was fortunate enough that I, when I married my wife, my father-in-law was a program engineer for, for the original space shuttle program. He was a, a, a decoder in the Philippines when he was in the service. And so, you know, we used to sit down and have kind and he was also a softball coach, a girl softball coach. <laughs> so he would, he would, you know, beat me to death with back in the day it was with Bill James and, and, and the numbers and, and all. And so I became, and I grew up a math teacher's son. My mom was a math teacher. So doing that math equation in my head was always part of the process. And then to be able to translate that in the game of baseball and, and the competition and the confrontation between a, a pitcher and a hitter and what that meant, then being a catcher, trying to dissect, well, what can my pitcher do at any given moment to, to defeat this hitter in the batter's box, right? And so I became really interested, can we change the dynamic of a game through that type of process? Now, fast forward to when Mike and I were together, there was, you know, the analytic process in Texas was, was pretty pretty young at the time, right? It was... It was they, we had an analytic department, but it was it was not like what you would see in in L.A. or Boston or Pittsburgh or New York, anything like that. So it was it was a group of one really in the front office that were, would put together programs for us. The thing that we were able to do is that we were t- able to give our analytic department kind of what we wanted, which was whether it was you know. Uh, pitch sequences, whether it was uh, below thresholds, whether it was angle of pitch, 
hot zones, cold zones, what we could get a guy to hit on the ground, what we could get a guy to swing and miss on, all these things, right? And so one of the things that we didn't do early on was try to just bombard a pitching staff that was quite, you know, it was a mix. It was a mix of younger guys and, and some, some experienced guys. I mean, we had Cole Hamels come into the mix, right? And here's a guy that was accomplished already and he knew what he was able to do, but yet we could give him a, a few tidbits about, you know, his cutter, where it worked most, how, how does his, his breaking ball play off his fastball, what do, you know, the swings and misses. But we would, we would give those guys small bits of information in a way that, was practical that they could could put in play not just you know you get too scientific with some guys and you know it's still the art of athletics right you still have to be able to okay this is what i want to do now let's let the motor skill development that we've had over the course of time take over you've got to be free and easy clear of mind to execute now that being said you know, you can, you may, you guys made the statement that you can overload a player with too much information. Let's, let's take percentages, right? Where said hitter goes to the plate and he's going to face pitcher A and he knows that, you know, 80% of the time this guy throws a breaking ball in this count in this situation with runners at second base. Well, guess what? There's still a 20% of the time that that doesn't happen. Well, why doesn't it happen? That way you start giving these guys too much information <laughs> Now, all of a sudden, they just become a guest hitter, and that's where you get these funny swings, right? Or you say, look, you got to go in on, on uh, uh, or you got you to go in on Mike Trout to go down and away on certain situations. Well, guess what? Mike Trout might go, look, look, best player on the planet. I'm, I'm going up to the plate looking in. I blast that pitch in that I was looking for, right? So it is, you've got to still maintain that organic feel and instincts of the game for your pitchers. Teach your pitchers to read the barrel. Teach your pitchers to read the, you know, where that hitter is in the box. What's the situation? Things like that more so than the numbers. And so we tried to keep that as simple as we possibly could, but yet try to educate them so that they could think on their feet out on the field. Because you're not going to be able to sit out there with them all the time, right? You don't have an earpiece in their ear yet. So, Jeff, on that front, you've been in the league since 2010 when you were with the Pirates. How have you seen the evolution of analytics grow in baseball? Because a lot of teams obviously jumped into that without even looking, but there are other teams that felt like it's wild to get into analytics. Well, I yeah, I, I think it's still I, – I think we're still learning about analytics and how they play and the human aspect of it all. Um, I think there are teams that have sold out to, to the, um, um, you know, understanding of what, you know, the projecting of a player, if you will, you know, the scouting of a player. I, I think analytics are great in, in scouting a player, what you think this player is going to be, how does he perform? Are there, can we look at some underlying numbers that, that tell us that, Hey, a player is actually performing better than what his raw number tells us. And, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll confess to you this, too, and I, I just, I just want to say this, that you know, analytics, albeit everybody likes to think that they're new. They're not necessarily – how we compile the information, how we can put this information in our programs, 
how it, it feeds back out to us to give us a projectable analysis of what should happen, right? Now, I learned under Chuck Tanner. I learned under Jim Leland. I learned from Tony La Russa. I learned, you know, and, and if you think about the, Bill Verdon, these guys, and when I would sit down and, and have Chuck Tanner sitting on the bench with me as a young manager, he was talking in these terms back then. He just didn't have a computer to go – program all this information the computer was in his mind he could recall things and situations that from the time that he was managing in in oakland when he had a team that had 363 stolen base attempts but yet still hit the ball out of the ballpark and struck out at a a high rate right and so all these things that, that come into play i just the evolution of analytics for me is this have we become so dependent on dependent on the numbers more so than what the instincts and aptitude of our own individual athletes. Athletes go into today to develop a motor skill. And they develop a motor skill to go perform on an athletic uh, court or field or track or on the ice. And they gather information that are going to help them be in a better place, understand what might happen, be better prepared for it, right? But they still have to have the motor skill to be able to perform said move, right? Like, let's take Rod Carew or, or, or Tony Gwynn, who were great ball bat type individuals. They could, they could, you know, they could put a barrel on just about anything and hit it just about anywhere on the field, but yet, you know, Tony still had the, the, the ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark. You know, in today's world, we, we, we tell athletes, you know, you go get three A swings right now, but yet that has produced more strikeouts in the, in the game of baseball. We're sitting in an era in a year right now. What do we have? Nine no hitters, seven, yeah. eight, nine no hitters. Six so far. It's up, crazy. Or whatever. Uh, you know, and we're, we're just in May, right? And, and there's so many factors that go into that, right? The, you know, information of pitching, hitters standing in the box looking to get their A swing off as opposed to using the, the pliability to put the ball in play to, to meet the demands of the game to win a baseball game. That's, that's where I think, you know, analytics has forgotten that there are certain demands on our game to help a team win that we have to really get back to. One of the things that, I cherished and studied so much was the St. Louis Cardinals growing up. And even as a young, young player, as a young manager, trying to sharpen my own, on, own ideas on, on what it meant to manage a baseball game of watching the Cardinal teams that how fundamentally sound they were, the things that they did out the mound in the batter's box, uh, defensively, they never hurt themselves uh, at, at a high rate, they made less mistakes than the other team, which allowed them to win more baseball games. They were more aggressive on the base pass when they needed to be, and more reserved when they were in control of the team on uh, the game offensively. Right. So all those things came into play. And if you think about who is the grandfather of of St. Louis baseball, and they probably still use his his book today. I mean, Red is still instrumental in everything that the Cardinals do in their organization. So 
that's that's that my thoughts on on kind of the, the where analytics are in the game and how we play. Final question that I've got for Jeff Bannister. It's been a great conversation. Usually appreciate you taking the time with us. Former Rangers manager. He spent 20 years coaching and managing in the Pirate system. Former big league player as well. Jeff Bannister joining us here on 101 ESPN. Jeff, you mentioned Tony La Russa, and I'm not sure how much you've been paying attention to the story over the last couple of days with Chicago, but their young designated hitter, your mean Mercedes, uh, he was down 3-0 in the count. It was the ninth inning of a game that... Chicago was leading Minnesota 15 to four, like I said, ninth inning and and he's at the plate and the twins had a position player out on the mound who was down three Oh, in the count Mercedes ignored the take call. He ended up smashing a home run in that spot after the game. LaRusso was critical of him and said that it was a big mistake. It was a rookie mistake by him. Uh, He has doubled down on that statement. Some of the players have come out basically saying like, Hey, it's a position player on the mound. Uh, Those unwritten rules should be thrown out at that point. I'm curious, Jeff, when, when you're in a situation like that as a manager, how would you handle that situation afterwards when you're talking to the media about what had just taken place? Well, and, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this. And I, it's, it's, it's hard to argue with the experience and, and the skins on the wall that Tony, Tony has, right? And, and, and so sure. that, uh, I'll put that aside. And w- w- just where I stand is that, you know, we we've make so much of these, unwritten rules <laughs> well there's only there's only one rule really is you, you go out to compete with an op, put yourself an opportunity to win a baseball game you're still competing guys this is a professional sport guys get paid for numbers they get you know at the end of the year there's not going to be a circle around that home run and say this one doesn't count because it came on a 3-0 count in a 15 nothing game um awful position player there, you know, guys, there's, you know, players come to the big leagues with the idea of, of surviving to the next day. And then they, they, if they survive long enough and they play well enough, then they get into this, well, I, I, I want to be able to stay here and contribute. And then as they're doing that, they say, okay, well, I want to make this long term and I want to be a champion. And so, Right now, you have a young guy that's just, he's trying to survive. He's, he's trying to do everything he possibly can. As far as the media is concerned, one of the things that, that, that I personally I learned is, you know, my father was a high school football coach. I, you know, ch- again, I named long list of guys I learned from, and Tony was one of those. It's for me, I never wanted to kind of put the conversation that I felt I need to have with a player in the media. Now I know that fans in the media want full access. I just always felt like that if it's a conversation that I could have in, 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 in my office behind closed doors, let's have that conversation. Let's air that out there and then move on. Hey, everybody, if everybody thinks it's a mistake, it's, you know, what is, what is, what does the kid feel? Is it something that he felt it was a mistake or is he just, he's just playing the game. And so that whole – the other team is not – even though they put, put a position player out there, they're, they're still – there's still major league talent on the field trying to play a game. I mean, if, if we weren't supposed to compete, let's just take them off the field and say it's a 10-run rule and move on. As long as you're out there and there are outs to be had and you've got to finish the game, then continue to compete. 
that's that's just my take. Jeff, we appreciate the time today. Thank you so much for hopping on with us. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to catch up with you again soon because I enjoyed the heck out of this conversation. Thanks so much for the time. It's been great, guys. Enjoy your day. And uh, tell Maddox good luck. I love watching him. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. We will do that. Jeff, that is, uh, that is Jeff Bannister, former Rangers manager, 2015 AL manager of the year, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Choose from a variety of accessories, like our cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited time offer ends November 28th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.